Go to Acts chapter 2. And um, I just want to talk to you this morning. I want to share some things. Um, and let me say this before I, I read. And I'm just going to read and I'm going to explain so there's no slides. There's none of that stuff this morning because I want you to hear clearly what I'm going to say. Um, I need you to hear me say before I go into the message that I believe wholeheartedly in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I believe in the gift of tongues. And I want to say that over and over and over again. And I want to stress how important um, the gift is among other gifts. I believe in being filled in the spirit, with the Spirit. I believe in the gifts of prophecy. All the gifts that are associated that comes when we have the Holy Spirit. I need to say that because um, what I'm going to say this morning, if you don't hear me say that, you might mistakenly believe that I don't believe in the gift of tongues. So I need to, can I say that before I go into the message this morning? But I want to clarify some things um, for us to, to, to really understand and learn this morning. And the reason I'm saying that is because the passage we are about to look at, um, most of us in Christendom from time to time have used that passage to substantiate our position as it relates to being filled with the Spirit and it being evidence with the speaking of tongues. A lot of us use the passage that I'm about to go to to say, see, this is what happened. They were in the upper room. The Holy Spirit came, and they were filled with the Spirit, and they began in speaking tongues. And so what we do is we tell people to tarry for the Spirit such that when the Spirit comes, you will have an Acts 2 experience. And I want to stand before you and say to you this morning that some of the experiences we have, and please notice that I use the word some, of the experiences that we have in church is completely different from this Acts 2 experience. But I am going to say to you, I believe all of us in here ought to have an Acts 2 experience because that is the purpose for why God sent the Holy Spirit. I want us to get that. So I'm going to clarify some things this morning as best as I can, and I just want to be um, very didactic or more teaching or more instructional and I want you to hear the words that I'm going to be using intentionally so we can be about the Father's business because I think the church has missed it a little bit. You kind of get what I'm saying? Here's what I've been saying last week is that we get more caught up on the emotional or the ecstatic side of spiritual things that we have missed the true purpose for being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to revisit that um, as we talk about building the ark, as we talk about filling the ark, and as we talk about being who God would have us to be. So can we do that this morning? Um, if I raise questions, please write them down. We'll get a chance to sit and to talk to them to allow God to be who God would have us to be. So back up with me. Let's go to Acts, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2. And if I say some things that are shocking to you, don't discount me yet. Um, just, just let's walk through it together. I believe I can defend um, my position on this fairly well, and we can talk about what God would have us to be. So back, back up to 1 and 8, just for the sake of context, and I'm going to um, give you some literary stuff um, and tell you why I asked Jaden that question, and then we can allow God to be God. So if you're in chapter 1, say amen. And then I said 8, but back up to verse 6, and we can do more reading and explaining so we can hear verse 6 says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? 
And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now, we explained that thoroughly well on last week. Verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And then it gives a geographic location of the scope of where these individuals are going to be witnesses for what God has done. It says in all Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and then it says to the ends of the earth. Then verse 9 ensues, and it says, When he had said those things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up on a dark cloud, took him out of their sight, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white clothes and set white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go to heaven. And then verses 12 um, all the way to verses 20 takes place. Now here's what you need to know about that. Jesus goes into heaven, and most of you would remember with me that Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus. Come on, say Judas. He betrayed Jesus. So what's happening in these verses is Peter takes it upon himself to say, we need to replace Judas, and, and please hear what I'm about to say. And the reason we need to replace Judas is not so that we can always have 12 and have this number of foundation, but it's so the work can go on, right? And then they did this casting of a lot stuff, and then the lot ended on Matthias. And I, I'm pretty sure you guys can remember that for the remainder of your Christianity, your Christian career right now. Verse 15 is very, very important. Look at verse 15 of chapter 1. I want to read verse 15 of chapter 1, and then we're going to go to chapter 2. Say amen if you're there. In those days, it says, Peter stood up among the brothers, and then it has this parenthetic that says the company of person was in all about 120. And the reason I want to point that number out, because this gives you an approximation of the amount of people that are present, plus or minus, might be more, I don't know, um, that are present in chapter 2 as chapter 2 opens up, right? So say 120. Now, you need to know that, not just 12. Come on, say it again. Say 120. Now, this may sound elementary, but 120 is a lot more than 12. Are you with me? That's a whole lot of folk. Are you with me? Okay. And they were cramped into this room. So then chapter 2 opens up. Remember with me, literary context. Jesus says to them, go in the upper room and don't leave until this thing or the third person of the Holy Spirit comes and dwells upon you. So the dominant reason that they're sitting in this upper room right now is because they're anticipating something new that they themselves have never experienced before or something new that has never manifested itself fully in the New Testament era. So you need to understand with me that these 120 plus people are locked in this room and they have no idea what to expect, no idea what to experience. And so as they're waiting there, God starts to do what God said he's going to do, okay? So now verse 1 opens up by saying, and when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And then it says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, I need to correct something that Jaden said, and this is why I was pressing him a little bit, because I want you all to walk with me through this, okay? Because this is a very, very important piece. Um, what Jaden did 
was he, in, in his framework, he equated the sound and the wind with the coming of the Holy Spirit. Remember him saying that? Okay. Now, I need to say to you, the sound and the wind is not the Holy Spirit. I need to say that. If, if you do your work, um, because you'll notice with me, let me jump ahead, then I'll back up. Verse 4, and it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and to begin and begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here's what verse 2 says. When they came together, a sound, um, uh, it says verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty Russian wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now here's what you need to know about that. God was about to do something new. He was about to do something fresh. He was about to release his Holy Spirit into the earth realm. And so this is an exciting moment, right? We don't know what to expect. We don't know what's going to happen. But the author's clearing saying that the wind started blowing. It started to be this loud noise, this loud thing that attracted the attention of people. And then, so imagine 120 people in the room, and here's what they're saying. Man, it's about to go down. Just like Jesus said, something is about to happen, and they had no idea what to expect. So all the sound did was the sound attracted their attention when they heard the sound and the wind to know that God was about to do what God said he was going to do. And I'll tell you why I'm saying that. And it says here in verse 3, and then this is where I really want to start picking this up to kind of explain some things. And it says, and divided tongues, some of your translation says cloven tongues, and then don't miss the simile as of fire. That's important, okay? Because the text is not saying fire came, okay? It's something that illumined the room in the form of a light, and it had the shape of fire, okay? So you had the wind blowing, you had noise happening, attention was being drawn, and then it says divided tongues or cloven tongues that look like fire appeared and to them and it rested, and my translation says, on each of them. Now, I need to explain a couple of things Real quick before we go into the lesson, because you need to hear, this, hear me say this. That word tongues that's used there is the Greek word that can also or is more accurately translated language. All right? Or speech. I want you all to hear what's happening. This is why I had to walk through what I'm walking through real, real, real quick in um, back last week when we began the series. So here's what you need to happen. The word divided talks about diversity or um, many different kind of, and then your translation says tongues. Okay? If you look up or you do the etymology on the word or you look up the Greek word, it's going to be the Greek word glossa which simply means language. So here's what I want you to hear me say about this verse. Here's what's happening here. It says, when the wind started blowing and this noise started happening, God released this thing known as many different kinds of languages. Cloven tongues, your translation says. Look up the word. Diversity of languages 
was released in the atmosphere. And then what's important as it relates to what happens next is very, 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 very important. Here's what you need to know. And it came, and the text says, um, it looks like fire, not saying that it is, it's this light, this thing, and then it rested on each one of them. Does your translation say that? So hear, 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 hear me say this, and, and I'm going to be very elementary because I'm going to move far. So, so a, 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 a bunch of light comes in the room, makes it a sound, and then it's languages, but it's in its various form, okay? One form lands here. One form lands here. I touch your hair. Yeah, no, don't. You're like a sister. Listen, talk, but don't touch the hair. Uh, yeah, I got you. Yeah, you, man, you look like you spend more money on yours. I touch your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One form, I ain't getting none, so I can talk. One form lands here. Uh, you guys get what I'm saying? Now, imagine all of us are in the upper room, and this, 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 this diversity of language comes. What the author is trying to get us to understand, every person in here got a different one. You guys are tracking with me. Yeah, I want y'all to see this. I want y'all to see this. So, so, so this is why it's so important to do the work on the text and to deal with it in, in, in literally as it relates to what he's saying. So imagine 120 people in the room, and everybody in the room got a different gift of language. All right? I know this is anti-church because we hadn't heard this in a while, so I want to be clear with this. And so notice what happens now. And so verse 4, and look at when they got filled with the Spirit. Not when the wind started blowing or when the sound was heard, but when that gift landed on them, then the Spirit entered, and then they began to speak the language that landed on them as the Spirit enabled them. You guys all right? It's very, very important for us to track with this because I want you all to go somewhere with me, okay? We, we, we're going to make it through this. So now, imagine 120 people in the room, and the Spirit enters, okay? And then he says here that they all spoke with other tongues, or the same Greek word is used, glossa, as the Spirit Gave them utterance. Now, that word filled, I don't want to go over it too fast. That word filled is the same, uh, could be, it, it has some force and some emphasis because this is equivalent to what when we talked about last week about um, when the Spirit comes, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, in essence, there's a baptism of the Spirit taking place or an immersion or a being filled with or a being submerged with. So, here's what I want y'all to hear me say they were overwhelmed with this thing because God took over, okay? And, and this is what it looks like when the Spirit of God takes over your life. I mean, he overwhelms you. Anybody, come on, y'all, come on. I mean, he takes over. You don't have control. God is in charge. God does. So, so that word fill, it's, it's a very, very interesting word because it says that in that instant of time, God took over, and then this utterance starts. It's like, ah, oh, it's almost as if they regurgitated this thing because they couldn't control themselves, okay? Many different languages going on in the room. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay, now, here's, let's flesh this out. Verse 24, 
It says, now, it just so happened to be there dwelling in Jerusalem, and my Bible says Jews, devout men or women, people from every, and your translation says nations, um, the Greek root is ethnicity, okay, under heaven, they came together and were bewildered because, listen to this, each one was hearing them speak in his own dialectos is the Greek word here, in their own dialect. Okay, now let me flesh this out real quick. Okay, let me make sure. Uh, devout people meaning that these were some religious, pious, educated individuals that end up being in Jerusalem. And, and Luke is intentional in his words because he's now differentiating language from dialect. Okay? Now, here, here, let me help you all with this. I can speak a little bit of Spanish. And so, depending on if I'm speaking to my Spanish that I learned is more Puerto Rican type Spanish, the real one. Um, no, no. <laughs> I grew up in the Caribbean, so I, I, can, I had a lot of Puerto Rican friends, so I learned that language. When you come to the United States, especially out west, there's Mexican Spanish, right? Mexican Spanish, in the dialect, they sing a little bit. Ah, yo soy el frito bandito. <laughs> you kind of get? You kind of get, son? In Puerto Rico, tu soy el frito bandito, and they're done. Yeah, right? But in Mexico, they're like, ah, que pasa, amigo? And the dialect got a little, yeah, you know, you kind of get what I'm saying? <laughs> so, 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 so here's what I want you all to hear the text saying. Here's what the text saying. These guys saying, when we hear them speak, we know, and Jaden said this, they might have been something they learned from childhood, we know that this is not your native language because the dialect is accurate. So folk from down south, right? When y'all down, if and wheeze. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend nobody. I'm sorry. Take that back. Make the mark on the tape and edit that out. Okay. Somebody get mad. But if you're from down south and you're from up east or you're from California, the dialect is different. You still speak English. Come on, y'all. But the dialect is different. So here's what these guys are saying. He's saying them to this. Now, listen to me carefully. We hear them speaking in our own language, but it's not so much that they have the language. This gift is so, this thing they're doing is so accurate that they've got the dialect. And, and I know, I know they're not from where we from. So here's the question. Are not these people who speak Galileans, and if they're Galileans, how come they've got the Mexican dialect or the New York dialect? Come on, you guys get where I'm going with this. It's, it's as if they were really from that place and we can identify with them. Very, very important thing. I want you all to hear me say it. Very, very important thing. Because we miss this up and, and we think this to mean something that it's really not. So here's what it says. He says, verse 9, now that we're dwelling in Jerusalem, devout Jews, men or women from every nation under heaven, and at the sound... The multitude came together and were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own. English translation says language, but it says dialect. Now, two things. One quick application. It seems to say to me 
that when the church makes a sound, it ought to attract the world to hear what's happening. It seems that way, okay? Now, here's another thing I need to point out real quick. This might be new for some of you, and we can talk about this. Now, don't make the mistake of thinking that all of them were speaking at once. Here's what we do in church. Use your gift. Go for it. Then the whole congregation erupts in what we call tongues, and we do our things. And those that don't have the gift, you kind of sit there like, what's wrong with me? I pay my tithe. How come I? Yeah, come on, y'all. Y'all know I'm talking to you, right? You kind of get what I'm saying? I want you to see order in the text as if you've never seen order before, okay? Before I show you order in the text, um, uh, well, let's, let me just read. Let me just read, and I'll give you a cross-reference, okay? Notice what it says here. It says, um, verse 9, the people were dwelling there, and then it says, um, let me see here, verse 7, they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who speak Galileans, and how is it that we hear, and then it says, each one of us in his own native language. Now, here's what we, the way we might have interpreted this before in Christendom, that these guys come, and the apostles or the 120 are in the room, they're speaking in tongues, and we sometimes have mistakenly said that God gave the gift of interpretation to the hearers, and they could pick out their language from the noise that was happening. I'm trying to say to you, God is intentional. God is in order. And I think scripture is consistent throughout. So I want to lay the premise here that when the gift went forth, I'm the guy that's going to argue with you and say to you, it was probably one at a time addressing the specific nation at a time. Beginning in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then to the othermost parts of the earth. It's no accident that the text says there was a multiplicity of ethnicities present at the same time. And the crowd was drawn together because as people heard their dialect, what in the world? Then somebody else heard their dialect, what in the world? Then somebody else heard their dialect, then what in the world? How, how is this happening? Now, let me just give you a cross-reference really, really quick. Um, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Really, really quick. Go there real quick. Yes. 1 Corinthians 14. And I want to read this for you. You guys are there? We're going to land. Don't panic. We're going to land. 1 Corinthians 14. Look with me at verse 1. You guys are there? Um, verse 1 says, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Uh, and then it says that you may, especially gifts that you may prophesy. Verse 3 says, for one speaks in a tongue, um, speaks not to men, but to God. For one who speaks in a tongue, speaks not to men, but to God. For no one does what? Understands him, but he utters ministry. Jump down to verse 5. Okay? Same in if you're there. Now, I want, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, he says, prophecy, and the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be done what? Yeah, very, very important, edified or built up, okay? Um, then verse nine, uh, verse 9 says, so with yourselves, if your tongue 
Um, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking in the air. Okay. Um, and then it kind of talks about um, there are different types of languages. Um, verse 11 talks about you don't know the meaning. But here's where I want to go. Verses 26. Simon, if you're there. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Look at the next phrase. Let all things be done for what? Building up. If one speak in a tongue, let there be only what? Two or at most how often? You got 120 at least a minimum in the upper room, right? And then, and then, but look at the next phrase. And each how? Oh, come on. Each how? Okay. And then let what? Someone else what? Interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself or to God. Now, I'm going to reiterate again. I believe in the gift of tongues. Please hear me say that. But I also believe in order. So I think, me, what's happening in Acts, because God is trying to serve a purpose, and then we'll explain this. Let me read this, and then I'll, I'll kind of pause for a moment because this is a lot for you to process, okay? So verse 8 says, and this is how we hear each of us in his own native tongue or language, and then the list that Jaden read to you. Amen. I'm not going to read it because he read it, and I'm not going to fumble so you can be like, oh, he don't know him either. Okay. <laughs> So, so look, at, look, at, look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. I want to hit verse, uh, well, verse 11. It says, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, and here's the key right here. We hear them telling in our own language the mighty what? Works of what? And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what? in the heck is going on? Or what does this mean? Okay? So here's what I want y'all to hear me say. And then um, is that these guys are there, and I'm the person that believes that God releases this, this diversity of languages in the room, and everyone gets a chance to release. This is what I was trying to get you to understand last week. They got a chance to release their experience with God over the audience, and as people heard their language, they responded or they came clear to hear what was being said. Now, what's important in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 to me that I want you to hear this morning, what was being communicated was not in unintelligible, ecstatic utterances that made the people feel good. Nowhere in chapters 1 and 2 do you see the text saying that they shouted or they hucked and bucked a little bit. Some of y'all don't know what that means. That's, you know, when you, yeah, you kind of, I just, you, come on, y'all know how to, you just got to, you know, that quiver, that quiver, yeah. <laughs> Nowhere do we see that the text says that they were afraid or they were nervous or they didn't know what was going on because God had prepared them. Here's what I want you to hear me say about the text. The moment the Spirit entered them in a room or a village filled with foreigners, they stood up and stand flat-footed and boldly preached the Word of God to a lost and dying world. 
I want you to hear me say that because here's what Acts chapter 1 and 8 says. You shall be my what? Witnesses when the Spirit of God comes upon you, beginning where? In Jerusalem, then going to Judea, then going to Samaria, then going to the other parts of the world. I'm going to say this and I'm going to stop. Don't pray for the Holy Spirit if you're not going to open your mouth and use the gift of tongue that God has given you to tell somebody about a Savior who came to seek and to save that which was lost because that's its purpose. If you're praying for the Holy Spirit for anything else, you're starting off wrong. Hear me say that. Get yourself off that mortar's bench. Ah, oh, come on, y'all. And go out in the streets and tell somebody. This is why. This is why. This is why. Verse 4 and 3 of Acts chapter 1. When he got up, he spent 40 days preparing them. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what I need you to do. It's going to be about kingdom. Is it going to be about Israel? Forget Israel. It's going to be about kingdom. It's going to be about kingdom. It's going to be about kingdom. Are you guys hearing me? The reason you're saved. Let me go here. The reason you're baptized with the Spirit. The reason you're filled with the Spirit is not so you can huck and buck and shout and speak in some unknown language. Come on. No, 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 no. That's your own personal stuff in your own personal house, in your own personal closet. But when you come here in the house, I wish I had somebody in here. God says, I prefer prophecy because it is in the declaration of the Word of God that people come to a saving knowledge of who God is. As a spirit-filled believer of Christ, the first thing I ought to be doing that's evidence of me being baptized with the Holy Spirit is to tell somebody. Let me give you, let me help you all with this. Every person that Jesus healed or saved in the New Testament, after their deliverance, you don't hear the organ going like this. And the German, and they're like, you hear them opening their mouth, telling. And listen what they're talking about. The magnificent, wonderful works of God. So here's what it looks like. Man, I was blind, but now I see. Who healed you? I don't know. I ain't met him yet, but it's, come on, are you with me? Man, I was dead. But now I'm alive. Huh. I, I was sick, but now, come on, how are you with me? But now I'm healed. Uh, come on, are you guys tracking with me this morning? Is that I had a past and God delivered me. I was strung out on drugs, but now I'm dry. Alcohol had me, but now I've been set free. My marriage was on the rocks, but God made me whole. I used to be bankrupt, but God did. That is evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not us church folk. We get a blessing. Saints, I'd like to test a lie this morning. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. And, and after our test the lion, the organ fires up and we like, we do our jig. I like a good jig. Please hear me say this, and I know I'm making light of this. But the reason for the Spirit 
is so every seat in here may be filled. Jesus didn't leave his home in glory. Like the Baptist preacher would say, travel a cosmic consolation for 42 generations, was born in a manger place in a stable, lived a sinless life, walked the dusty road of Calvary so you and I can have good church. That's not why he did it. That's not why he did it. Luke 19 and 10 is still clear. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And when he empowers you and when he empowers me, if so, listen to this, so we can carry on the work that he left behind for us in the epistles in continuing to be the presence of Jesus in the earth. Let me stop here. Katani, come on. Let me, let me stop here. I hope you all come back to hear the rest of this. Go back to Acts. Let me show you this real quick. Look at, look at what chapter 2 says this. Okay? Chapter 2 says, verse 13, others mucked and said they were filled with new wine. See, we, we see that phrase and we want to act like, see, they were drunk. They were, oh, no, no, I don't say they were drunk nowhere. It just says they were speaking in a language. And then it says, when, what does this mean? Um, verse 12 said, and verse 14, and Peter said, I'm glad you asked. And then he got to preaching. I want to talk about Peter's message next time we meet. I want, to, I want to tell you what a spirit-filled message looks like. Because I think you have one, and I think I have one, and I think we all have one. And the world is waiting, is waiting, is waiting, is waiting. Okay? I was at Starbucks this morning. Y'all going to be sick of Starbucks story. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going over my message, and this young man picks out his phone, and he calls his mother on the phone, and he says, Mama, I ain't going to make it over to you this morning. Um, and his mama lives in Littleton. I wasn't being nosy. I was just dipping, you know. <laughs> I needed a sermon illustration, so I had to listen, you know. <laughs> and he said, and, and I'm listening to him lie to his mama. Mama, I'm nowhere near, and my car ain't running. And, and, and I don't have my phone turned on. I'm saying, how are you talking to her? Your phone ain't on. You kind of get what I'm saying? And so mama, and, and his mama said, I could tell his mama and all them, baby, you got to come see me. And he's like, mama, my phone ain't on, so I don't have GPS. I can't find the directions. I'm like, what kind of foolishness am I hearing? Okay. But, 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 the man hung up the phone, and then he sat there, and he fell asleep. And I said to myself, oh, he's homeless. Oh, he doesn't have a job. Oh, he's broke. And he doesn't want his mother to see the real him. He doesn't want to let his mother down so he makes it look like he's out of state somewhere. Are you, you kind of get what I'm saying? God fills you with the Spirit to seek out young men like that. So you can go to him and say, man, it's going to be all right. I know a God. Come on, y'all. And, and to be honest with you, if I didn't have to come to church this morning, um, and I was broke, um, <laughs> I would have taken that young man, put gas in his car, or put him in my car, take him to go see his mom. Talk about the harvest being ripe. You kind of, come on, y'all, talk to me, talk to me. But we don't see those opportunities because we're focused on the Spirit being used for something else. It was nothing but the Spirit of God that opened my ears to what he was saying. 
If we walk around looking for darkness because you are light, you will recognize it. And then, Matthew, let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works and glorify your God which is in heaven. Spirit for life, spirit for life is about using this to tell people about God. Hear this in their own dialect. Oh, that's a whole other message. Don't spiritualize it in their own dialect. Are you with me? So let, I'm done. But here's what dialect looks like. If you've been broke, you can speak broke dialect. If you used to be a drug addict, you can speak drug addict dialect. If you used to be an alcoholic, you can speak alcoholic dialect. Come on now. If you used to be out on the street, you can speak street dialect. But the problem is, we come to church, we get saved, and we change our language and forget the dialect. And wonder why we don't have impact. How is it that we hear them speak in our own dialect? The wonders work of God. Stand to your feet this morning. Stand to your feet. Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, you're gracious. Lord, you're kind. Lord, you're merciful. Fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. There are those times when we need to be filled with the Spirit at home to be encouraged and to be lifted up. We know that. But there are times, God, when the primary reason is to spread your gospel. Teach us, Lord. Teach us to be bold witnesses for you. Speak to the hearts of every person in here that we not be afraid to encounter someone in the world and say to them, God loves you. God cares for you. Here's what he did for me. So as we revisit and we visit the remainder of this chapter, God, speak to us so we can be about you. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen.